Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the state of Texas. We are taping this show Facebook Live, but you're going to hear it on the radio on Saturday. But we're doing it in studio here live on Wednesday. So there's a little bit of rain coming down in the central Texas area. I would imagine by the time uh, this broadcast on the radio show on Saturday that we're going to have gorgeous weather for the Faith, Family, and Freedom Policy Conference that's right here in Austin, Texas. Uh, you know, once you hear this, as the show's airing, we're going to be in the middle of it. I mean, look, if you want to scoot over to the Canyon View Event Center, we might be able to squeeze you in for the last three or four hours, but you're going to miss Attorney General Ken Paxton, who's going to be speaking, um, who spoke this morning, who's speaking uh, Saturday morning. But the policy conference ends at four o'clock. But we're excited that we have in studio with us Heather Gardner, who is the leader of Central Texas Coalition for Life. She's a good friend. I promised her that we won't talk about Aggie football. I didn't say I wouldn't mention it. I just yeah. said we won't talk about it. <laughs> but hey, uh, what is a longhorn to do when we're starting out 0-1? We don't want to talk about football. No, there's so much to talk about this week, though. We've got our policy conference coming up that's on Friday and Saturday. You're watching this show live on Facebook. You can still get tickets. Go to txvalues.org. We have a discount code, a new discount code. We're giving you the same price that we're giving students. That's our back-to-school special, okay? So back-to-school is in full swing of just about all the kids I would imagine are in by now. We're beyond Labor Day. It's a values is, I think, the discount code. I think it's $20. That's what the students pay. Um, we've already got over 150 people that are coming, but we've got a few tickets left. We've got a, a couple of dozen tickets left, as a matter of fact. So, and sometimes, you know, you got a family of four or five, whatever. We are our family organization. Sometimes, you know, that price can multiply. So we were like, you know what? This last couple of days, let's drop the price. But it ends at midnight. And I'm not kidding. Okay. You log in at 1201. I don't think you're going to be in to get the discount code. So do not wait. Make sure you get on. It only takes a couple of minutes. Go to txvalues.org. Get your tickets today, the Faith, Family, and Freedom Forum, because you want to see Heather Gardner in person. She's going to be one of our speakers. She's going to be alongside David B. Wright. Attorney General Ken Paxson is going to be there. Forget about the dinner on Friday night. It's sold out. All right. You waited too late for that. But the policy conference is on Friday from 1 to 5. And it goes from 9 to 4 on Saturday. That includes lunch from Chick-fil-A. Sorry, the cat's already out of the bag. That's what we're serving for lunches. You would probably expect. But that includes lunch for $20. I mean, you go to Chick-fil-A, it's going to cost you 7 or 8 bucks to begin with. So you're essentially getting a day and a half policy conference for about 11 or $12. I mean, that, that's hardly even you know covering our cost at that price because we want you there. I mean, that's what this is about. This is not a way to generate some revenue and get ticket sales. You know, we have to have something out there to make people commit and to also help us cover our costs. But it's about educating people about religious freedom, about marriage and family, about life issues as we're dealing with them now, as we look forward to a legislative session. We just want to educate people on these issues. This is not a political event. We're not advancing some type of candidate. There will be sitting elected officials there because many of them have been very much involved in these issues and they're experts on it. Um, I mentioned the attorney general. We're going to have national speakers there from Alliance Defending Freedom, a whole host of things. But enough about all that. We got to talk to Heather Gardner, okay, because she's in studio with us and she does great pro-life work. 
As I mentioned, she leads the group Central Texas Coalition for Life. A lot of things going on in the life movement. This policy conference is this Friday and Saturday, but the 40 Days for Life events start kicking off in about two or three weeks. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. September 26th is day one. And it's international, so uh, I don't know the uh, current count of the campaigns now, but it's a uh, it's at least 350, I believe, campaigns all over the world that will be starting simultaneously, praying outside of abortion facilities. You know, I have had really, um, I hate to say the pleasure, I- I've been thankful that I've had an opportunity to go pray with groups during this time of year and other times of year. I, you know, last year I went to a location that was a little bit further north, um, going towards Round Rock. And I was there with my children. You know, they're now 8, 10, and 12. So as they've gotten older, they've started to understand a little bit more. Mm. And, you know, because we've done this, I think, one or two times before when they were younger. And so, you know, and that can be a difficult situation to bring kids to. I understand that. But think about that. You know, it can be a family event. And, you know, they had a little bit shorter fuse. We didn't stay. I think we stayed out there 20, 30 minutes. But, you know, whatever you can do to be involved in this, it can be a family event. Um, If sometimes that's something, you know, you think, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't bring my kids. It's your call. But I did have an experience with that twice. And I saw value in it. And, you know, look, it's having an impact. I mean, tell us a little bit about um, the 40 Days for Life effort, what it is, what you're trying to accomplish. We know it's grown substantially, but let's remind people that may not have heard about it before what it's all about. Absolutely. So 40 Days for Life, as I said, is international, and it actually started here in Texas. Um, so it's grown uh, in a short amount of time. It, the first one was in 2004, and then it went national and international in 2007. So it's been 11 years now since it went international. And it's it's an incredibly impactful movement of people peacefully praying outside of their local abortion facilities, calling for an end to abortion, but also bringing um, volunteers who are trained sidewalk counselors to reach out to women and their families and the abortion workers that are walking into these abortion facilities. Um, In short, it's the bridge from the abortion facilities to life-affirming resources in the community. And there are so many in many communities across the country and across the world. There are usually places that are nearby that have free or reduced-cost services for these women and their families. And the, the myth that is out there is that the abortion facility is the only place that women can go for health care. And that's actually not true at all. In fact, most of the abortion facilities have very limited health care. And when they have whatever uh, services that they offer, the biggest thing being abortion, because that's their bottom line, um, oftentimes they are upping the, the prices on it. So sometimes they'll, they'll, you know, have low prices or they'll say it's covered by Medicaid. But, um, what we've seen in our community is that they continue to raise the prices, and they are by far the not not the cheapest in town. And so we're there to educate people and let them know that. The most common response we get is that they just didn't know of other places that they can go. And so 40 Days for Life, the, of course, 40 being uh, very symbolic of uh, because of the biblical meaning and the powerful, um, powerful 
number that it is of having 40 days of prayer and fasting. So people will typically sign up for a weekly hour to go and pray outside of their abortion facility. And I like, and I want to emphasize what you said, it is definitely something that is wonderful to have families there. Uh, and, And it's up to you. If your child is in a stage where they just can't sit still, or you can't have them strapped in a stroller for a little bit of time and keep them occupied, then maybe don't bring them. But otherwise, it can be a very powerful message to people driving by and going into the abortion facility. So this has actually resulted in over 15,000 lives across the world being saved. Um, And those are just the ones reported. We have, um, as of yesterday, 270 here in our area, in the Central Texas area. And again, those are just the ones that we know about. I would be willing to bet that that is a tiny percentage of the real number. Only God truly knows that real number. But there's um, abortion workers that have had conversions. There are abortion facilities that have closed down. And there are many, many more people that have found alternative resources as a result of people simply peacefully being out there and offering help and praying for them. Yeah, no, it's interesting, too, how strongly the pro-life movement, if you will, has embraced this effort. You talk about it being international because you look at Roe versus Wade was decided in 1973, and certainly there were pro-life efforts, if you will, prior to that court decision, but nothing like what we see these days. And so that is, this is a big part of the movement, if you will. This is a big part of the effort and, you know, it's interesting because the last time um, I did this, I'm trying to think if it was earlier this year. When was the last campaign? Was it in the spring? Spring, spring during campaign. Lent. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, that was when I went with my children. And, you know, it was striking to them and, and a reminder to me that you will see oftentimes women and sometimes with a man show up and go into the abortion clinic and they're pregnant. I mean, it, it is striking to see that happen. And, and I, I think of my daughter, who's only eight years old asked me, you know, what are they doing, Dad? I mean, and so, it, you know, and, and I'm not going there looking for that. I'm My point is that's likely to happen. And so it's interesting how you'll come face to face with that. And you mentioned about 15,000 lives saved. You know, it's, you think about the, how it can feel, the impact to think you had some part, if you will, in, in saving a life. I've only experienced that once at least that I can recall. There may have been other times, but there's one striking. When I was a student at the University of Houston, I was leading a pro-life group. They told us we couldn't have an event on campus. We had to sue the university. We won that lawsuit for our free speech rights, but then we had an event where women came and there was a woman that was pregnant. I didn't talk to her, so it wasn't something I did directly. Our event was someone else, one of our volunteers told me that she talked to a woman who was a, a, a student And as a result of that conversation, she decided she was not going to have abortion. She was being pressured by her boyfriend, we were told. That's, you know, one of the closest moments I've had to feeling like something I did or was a part of potentially saved a life. Tell us what it's been like for you and your volunteers who are involved in this every year. Yeah, absolutely. And and like I said, we at the Coalition for Life, the Central Texas Coalition for Life has year-round presence. Um, but our 40 Days for Life campaigns are definitely the most consistent uh, effort where, where more people than throughout the rest of the year come and pray. Um, and it is very it is very powerful, but it's also very it's very challenging. It's it's a different line of work than working in a maternity home or or a pregnancy center in that you are literally at that there at that last minute of hope for that woman, um, yeah. for those abortion workers, you know, f- um, you know, being there every day, praying for them to come to you and lo- be looking for another job and get sure. on a path to healing. Um, and so we do not see the fruits of our labor very much. And that is that is where 
I always think back to, you know, you, you, you can you can tend to slip into pride. So, mm. you know, if we see somebody that is um, changes their mind on the sidewalk, we start getting excited. Oh, my gosh, I'm so glad I was there. This is what I said sure. to her. This is what made her change her mind. And then on the flip side, you're talking to somebody. And even though you did everything you could, they go in anyway. And that will weigh on your shoulder. And oh, both yeah. of those instances um, that that can be prideful because you're now looking at this as this depends on you. And it right. doesn't depend on you. It depends on God. You say yes to God, allow him to use him as your in, uh, use you as his instrument. Um, but as as wonderful Mother Teresa says, we're called to be uh, faithful, not successful. And so if you're there being faithful, you did what you could. That's up. That's up to the Holy Spirit to do his work. And uh, and, and again, God gives us all the freedom. And so we respect that in that person, even though we desperately don't want them to go through with this awful mistake. Um, they have that freedom. And so that's all we can do is we have to offer that up to God at that point. You know, that's a good point you mentioned because you've been in this work a long time. That's the flip side, right? While you might see someone or maybe you hear of, of a success, how often do you see women go in and leave and you come face to face knowing they likely just took the life of their child today? It, right. You know, and, and I can just only imagine how that can wear on you. So let's talk about and not just you. I don't mean it that way. I mean, anyone involved in these efforts, but you're involved in it day in and day out. So let's talk about the movement overall, speaking of kind of how this can, you know, factor into things uh, over time. Roe versus Wade was decided in 1973. I was born about nine months after Roe versus Wade decided you're younger than me. You know, so many people after that point have been involved in this movement under, you know, the cloud of this being the law of the land, mm -hmm. right? And we've seen a lot of changes in the movement, a lot of wonderful things that have happened. And so I work in this field from a law and public policy perspective, but you're there on the ground, literally on the ground in front of these abortion clinics. We have a new president. We've got a new justice on the Supreme Court. We've got a second justice whose hearings are this week, uh, Justice Brett Kavanaugh, who um, we're told would be strong on these type of issues, if you will. What are you seeing in the pro-life movement, um, if anything, that may be different or is updated based on some of these national political and legal dynamics um, that, that have unfolded in the past couple of years? Sure. I think uh, there's quite a bit of diversity um, in the movement. So there are there are people who are pro-life who are very um, excited about, for instance, our president. They're very excited about um, the political leaders and, and the new people that are being put into place. There are other people that aren't so in, that aren't, aren't so impressed. Um, maybe they're 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 looking at the bigger picture. They're seeing other issues. And so, uh, for me, I, I'm one of those people that's a little bit in the middle. I'm I'm not putting all of my eggs in the political basket, um, regardless of what happens with that. And I certainly believe it's important to be involved, to be educated, and to uh, do your best to vote for those who are going to promote the dignity of life. Um, it seems like it's harder and harder to to find within our, our political leaders. But um, uh, more than that, I'm I'm the best at getting on the uh, or for me what I'm better at than that and then the public policy involvement is being on the ground is being active 
and educating myself constantly and then turning around and educating others. And I think that that is something that everybody needs to be doing, regardless of what's happening in the political realm of, um, you know, who's in office and this, that and the other. Um, We need to be educating ourselves on apologetics, on what exactly the biology is, what abortion is, what is going on in the abortion industry. Um, And and again, yes, knowing what's going on on the political side and the pro-life efforts. But um, more than that, just trying to reach out to people who are in the middle, maybe they're on the fence about the issue or they're Mm -hmm. pro-abortion and trying to find common ground. I think it's not helpful if we are not seeking to challenge ourselves and to listen to others that we don't agree with. So constantly, you know, um, keeping that in mind when we're doing all of our, you know, discussions on social media and stuff, making sure that we're always respecting the people that we're talking with. Um, don't let things get too heated to where you start character attacking. Like, look at the actual issues, listen to some people um, that, you know, you disagree with, and then try to find common ground with them. So I think that's really important. And I think um, we need to be asking ourselves, we as the as pro-lifers need to be asking ourselves certain questions and figuring out the answers to, such as, what would happen to a woman in a post-Roe society that has an abortion? Um, You know, obviously, abortion is not going to end even if Roe versus Wade is overturned tomorrow. It's going to turn back over to the states. Um, Most people don't know what what is on the the books for their state laws. So figure that out. What did your state say before abortion was legalized federally? Um, What laws were on the books? Are those going to go back? Start looking into that. Start seeing, you know, talking about maybe some professionals about well, what can we do once this does happen? Because it will happen. Roe versus Wade will be overturned eventually. So start asking, you know, what what is that going to look like? And how should we handle these situations? Because there are pro-abortion people that want to really catch you and paint you into a corner about that. They sure. want to, You either hate women because you want women to be punished for having an abortion, or you're not really pro-life. You don't really think that the unborn child is a human being. Otherwise, you would hold that to the same standard as a three-year-old that was being murdered, you know, or something like that. So we need to be challenging ourselves and thinking about these questions and not get caught off guard um, because it's a little bit silly for us to be fighting this if we're not thinking ahead and thinking about later on down the road. Yeah, the bigger picture. We're talking with Heather Gardner, the leader. What is your title? Executive director? Yes, sir. (laughs) Of Central Texas Coalition for Life. Um, So we all, you know, sometimes we have different titles when you're the head, you're the leader. As my kids try to say, you're the boss. I'm like, don't say that. Okay. (laughs) You know, it doesn't, even though it can sound cute, it doesn't always, you know, you try to lead a staff. You don't want people to feel like I'm the boss or whatever. I've worked on that too. But uh, so, but we're talking about where things are. You talked about the increase in diversity. And we're talking about the political side, the the national issues, a new president. I believe Trump is the first, if not one of the first presidents on the campaign trail to say he would put pro-life judges on the U.S. Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. That is significant. Now, to your point, and I think this is very important, that the pro-life movement, if you will, is not waiting for a judge to get in there and overturn Roe versus Wade to do the work, because that is not going to solve everything, even though it would be significant. Absolutely. Uh, I firmly believe, as it was told to me, the law is a teacher. The fact that Roe versus Wade is the law of the land, if you will, or that's the Supreme Court decision that's uh, that that's followed lockstep, if you will, that that has resulted in more people having abortions because their view is, well, if it's legal, it can't be that bad. However, 
we're not waiting for that to happen. There's so much work that can be done in this climate, and it's been done very well. So you've got Brett Kavanaugh with his Senate confirmation hearings this week. Roe versus Wade will be talked about. I've done live radio this week, and they've asked me, you know, what's the over-under on how many times they're going to ask about Roe versus Wade? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I threw out 10 or 15. Maybe it's more than that. But it certainly is an issue that's brought up any time a Republican nominates a Supreme Court justice and, and often sometimes a Democrat. So we'll see some talk about that. So it, it continues to remain relevant. Just a quick mention for our Facebook watchers, viewers, the Faith Family and Freedom Forum, you can still get tickets. The deadline is midnight tonight for that last discount code. This is it. Okay, you can get a ticket tomorrow if we still have seats. But I'm telling you, we're cutting off the discount code at midnight, okay? And it's $20. We're giving you the same rate that students are getting at $20. It's our back-to-school special, okay? TXValues.org. You can see Heather Gardner in person. And one of the co-founders of the 40 Days for Life, David B. Wright, will also be there. David B. Wright and Heather will be on a panel together. That's going to be on Friday. So you want you don't want to miss that. You mentioned about finding common ground. Mm-hmm. So, you know, our organization is not Republican. It's not Democrat. We have a 501c3 and we have a 501c4 that gets involved in election issues and endorsements. Uh, you know, whether or not we've ever endorsed a Democrat, I'll have to go back and look at our record. We certainly gave an award out to one or we recognized one, Senator Lucio from South mm, Texas. Yes. But that's largely, I mean, almost entirely a function of where they stand on the issues. It's not about politically, but sometimes we can be in that space, right? Where we're like, we're already making judgments, you know, well, they're a Democrat or they're a liberal or whatever, or they think about this issue. You're involved in one issue and that's not to minimize it. I'm just saying, so I would imagine there are a lot of opportunities for common ground and seeing past those things to be able to, to, um, to educate people and to be effective, I would imagine is encouraging at times when you can't find that common ground. But I bet you a lot of people don't think that exists, so they jump to those conclusions. So I think it's encouraging to hear you talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is, that, is that resonating with volunteers and other people you work with? I mean, it sounds to me like that's probably a part of your training when you talk with them. Absolutely. Encouraging absolutely. them to be open to that. Well, one one of the, you know, false, I would say, false stereotypes of the pro-life movement is that we only care about the baby until birth, right? Mm. And so that is something, I mean, that's not really pro-life. I mean, that's pro-birth. And we are more than pro-birth. We're pro-life. We're pro-all-life. And we hope that not only that that mother chooses life and gives life to her child, but that they have an opportunity to be able to get the basic needs um, that they can work, that they can have decent work, that they can pr- be in independent and provide for their family. And so I think that also, you know, that resonates with a lot more people, even people who might be pro-abortion. So they think, you know, well, we need to have a better health care system. We need to have better um, right. better standards for uh, and, and higher quality health care, which I would absolutely agree with. And here's the kicker. The abortion facilities, especially in the state of Te- well, uh, across the country, but definitely in the state of Texas, including all three of our local abortion facilities, have had consistently failed health inspections over the last several years. Well, and, and I got to stop you for a second because speaking of health inspection, spe- uh, health inspection safety, we had a case go up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the Supreme Court where the U.S. Supreme Court with Justice Kennedy, who's Mm -hmm. not there anymore, that seat's being filled by Brett Kavanaugh, I'm confident he'll be confirmed, but that's the seat he's uh, up for, was a 5-4 decision, and it dealt with a Texas law portion of it, not all of it, that was simply about 
having health and safety standards mm-hmm. and regulations similar to other medical facilities. And the U.S. Supreme Court said Texas can't do that. Right. We can't protect women that way. Those are important issues. Right, exactly. And those are those are basic standards that many physicians, you know, testified during all of that saying like, our other health facilities all meet these standards. Our surgical facilities meet these standards. These are basic healthcare standards. And so not only are they not meeting that, but they're also failing even lower standards. There, there's there's violations such as unsterilized instruments, unsanitary environments, um, improper cleaning of or keeping sanitary of the spaces, especially where patients are, where medications are. There's missing narcotics. Um, there's there's a, a whole litany of violations. And it's not like a oops, one-time thing, you know, which can happen in different facilities. These are recurring violations that are happening multiple times uh, the last few years. And so I remember during 2013, the big whole thing at the Capitol in, in Texas where um, so many of it, you know, you had the orange shirts and the blue shirts and you had the, the pro-abortion people and the pro-life people. And uh, it was just so intense. But I remember meeting someone there standing in line with this woman who is super nice Um, very passionate, but very open to conversation. She was wearing a blue shirt indicating that she was pro-life, but she actually was not pro-life. She was here in support of what was what we were fighting for in terms of increased safety standards plus the 20 week um, ban and things like that, because she thought, well, of course, I want basic health care standards for women. Why wouldn't I? And she's like, I think it's ridiculous that people who support abortion would not want high standards for women's safety in, in health care, especially this mostly low income women that are seeking these services that are being coerced into getting this um, uh, because, again, they're told that there's nowhere else to go when we have plenty of actual places, yeah, community we, centers. We've got and, more facilities that are not providing abortions that can uh, that have comprehensive correct healthcare services for women than we do abortions. We're about to run out of time. So I want to I want to uh, hit a couple things before we finish. Your point is well taken and it reminds me of a movie that we screened a few years ago. It's called 3801 Lancaster. It was about mm-hmm. an abortion doctor who's now in prison, um, Gosnell, Kermit the mm-hmm. Gosnell, right? Mm-hmm. It's been a couple of years. We submitted a brief to the U.S. Supreme Court with a grand jury report. I mean, it just it was hard to read. And we used pictures from it. it they were very graphic um, because what he did was very graphic. There's a new movie coming out. I'm not I don't know that I'm endorsing. I'm not saying I'm against it. I haven't seen it. There's a more like Hollywood production, if you will, or some or just a larger production. 3801 Lancaster was more of a documentary. It was a documentary. But there's a new one coming out about Gosnell. I think Dean Cain's in it. Yes. So maybe more recognizable figures. We'll see what that ends up looking like. But it's going to draw a little bit more attention to this issue. All right. Let me remind our uh, viewers and listeners that the 40 Days for Life kickoff is September 25th. Correct. At the East Bend White location. It's next to Wendy's. If you've been out there before, I think there's a bank or something in between uh, Wendy's and the um, Planned Parenthood Clinic, but it's right off Ben White before you get to 35. What time is the kickoff? It's going to be at 7 p.m. We actually have one of our local former abortion workers that's going to be coming and addressing everybody. And so, who, and do you want to name that person? Her name is Pam. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, and I and I, I'm not smiling about the issue, and, and it's a sensitive issue. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes uh, those are the facial expressions I use when I'm trying to not catch someone off guard. Um, that's important for people that have been in that position to now be on this side, if you will. I can't imagine the type of courage it does to do that. So that's going to be really interesting. September 25th, 7 p.m., the the 40 Days for Life starts on September 26th, but there's a kickoff event the day before. Uh, You've dealt with some issues with handmaids that are protesting pregnancy resource centers and others. 
But my understanding that through prayer and good conversation, there's been a few breakthroughs. We're running out of time to talk about that. That's my fault. But that's something to keep in prayer. As you see these people, we may not know all the story to what's going on. So let's be careful about our approach and response and continue to be loving. Absolutely. Uh, as we run out of time, uh, for our Facebook viewers, go to the txvalues.org website. Get your tickets today. Our Faith, Family, and Freedom Policy Conference is this Friday and Saturday. Heather Gardner will be there. Heather, thanks for being a guest on the Texas Values Report today. Blessed to be here. Thanks for having me. See you Amen. on Friday. <laughs> All right. And don't forget, if you can't make the policy conference, you want to make a donation, you can do that at txvalues.org. We are 501 c 3 nonprofit organization. We only exist because people continue to financially invest what we do. I think it's one of the best return on investments you'll get in the state of Texas in this work. We'll talk to you next week on the Texas Values Report.